all of the story and the strategy is not driven by some abstract ideas that we have. It's, it's usually just deeply listening and figuring out, out how those two work together. Our job isn't to build or create a story for a client. Really, our job is just to tell the truth. It's important to know who are we? Who, who do I want to be as an individual in the team and the company? How do we live into what our values are? That was Devin Simmons, Rachel Burnett, and Colin Potter. And this is Guild Stories. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we will explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Hey, welcome back to Guild Stories. I am joined by a group we call Foundations, which is interesting, and I'm not exactly sure how that name came about. Um, but y'all have heard me talk about these folks uh, a few different times, so I'll just intro them. They're on our team, our leadership team, I guess we'd say. Um, so Devin Simmons, Rachel Burnett, Colin Potter, from my left to right around the uh, square root, square work conference room table. It's good to have you guys physically in KC. It's good to be together, and uh, welcome to Guild Stories. We're pumped. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Can everybody, um, let's do some quick intros. So just, yeah, by, by left to right, Devin, get us started. Tell us a little bit about you and, and, and also a little bit about what you do here at the, uh, at Guild Content. Yeah. Uh, Devin Simmons, born and raised in Syracuse, New York. Um, so you, Syracuse Connections have been there from the start. Matt Reed, Stephanie Crockett, uh, Michael Scrow. That's right. Uh, there's a great little ecosystem there. So born and raised there, went to school at Lemoyne College, uh, did my four years there, which is where I met most of those folks, actually all of those folks, um, and then deployed out uh, and met Colin Potter through Matt Reed, joined Guild Content to do some digital marketing work that I wasn't quite sure uh, of what it was. <laughs> Neither were we, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's turned into this beautiful thing, um, and it's great. And on the team now, I lead uh, all the digital strategy and how we uh, meet client objectives on online tactics. So SEO, SEM, paid social, um, all the things under the umbrella. Love it, man. Welcome uh, to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you. Rachel. Uh, Rachel Burnett. I uh, met Justin several, you Justin, several years ago um, through our kids went to the same preschool, New Brook, um, lived in the same neighborhood for a while. I owned a shop on the square here in Liberty called Wild Juniper, um, did that for several years. And then really just, you know, what I loved about it was branding, storytelling, building community around a thing. Um, so we closed that shop and then I started um, about five hours a week working here. Uh, five-ish. Yeah, five-ish. <laughs> five it was kind of like an emerging number for us. And then came on board full-time about a year after that. Um, you came to me and said, hey, I don't really know what this looks like, but can we do a creative department at Guild Content? And I said, sure, that's exactly how I like things to start. So um, from there, was able to build a team of like really crazy, talented, amazing humans that um, help us tell really awesome stories. Love it. That That's awesome. And I have stories about each of y'all, but I'll save them for, for later. Um, thanks, Rachel. That's great. CP? Hey, uh, Colin Potter, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Represent Bill's Mafia <laughs> over here. Um, you might get a little bit of internal flag. Yeah, I imagine. That. I imagine. Um, 
normal childhood growing up, middle class family, uh, went to school in the uh, central New York area, knew I went, wanted to work in sports and was willing to go anywhere in the country to do it. And um, Kansas City, Missouri was the place on the map where uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offered me a corporate partnership position. Didn't know where Kansas City was on the map, didn't know where Missouri was, didn't know what kind of weather they had, the way that the folks spoke, uh, what they liked out there. Didn't know anything. Didn't know anyone, um, but decided to take a, a leap of faith and uh, came out to Kansas City. Um, I was in Kansas City for about five years, uh, working my way up the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Just a wonderful experience. Met so many great people. Fell in love with this community. Mm. Um, just loved every minute of it. Had an opportunity to move um, out west to San Francisco to work for the 49ers on the sales side of, of the partnership business. Um, was there for about 15 months and really discovered a lot about myself, learned about myself. Um, and I was uh, at the time dating uh, who would soon become my wife, uh, Capri. And uh, 2,600 miles apart, kind of going through this quarter-life crisis of, man, what am I going to do with my life? Um, you know, I, I want to be closer to her, want to be closer to family, and want to feel fulfilled in my work. And uh, reached out to you, Justin, actually, as like a friend and mentor, and uh, picked your brain on what to do. And uh, we came up with this crazy scheme of, what if I joined Guild Content? And we haven't looked back ever since. So I've been with Guild Content about four years. Um, I'm a VP of business operations. So I oversee our, our brand management team and our operations. So, you know, just making sure that we're delivering flawlessly for our clients and anything and everything that we say we're going to do and hopefully deliver above and beyond. So what a fun ride it's been and a uh, pleasure to be here today. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, Colin. Um, it's fun. It is fun to be here. I, I'm, I'm trying to set the stage real quick because I, I think this this conversation won't be exhaustive in, in one sitting, but Hopefully, we'll we'll begin to have this on a more regular basis. We obviously have our own internal conversations regularly, but in terms of what does it look like for a young, emerging, sometimes bumping and bruising, sometimes hitting grand slams type of an organization, um, you guys are like quite literally at the at the at the head of that line, doing doing the work, cutting through the frontier. And I think people will benefit from the experience of, of um, we get lots of questions around marketing and storytelling and entrepreneurship and leadership. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're the four of us are kind of living it. <laughs> um, and, and, and I, I just, I, I know everyone's going to have um, wonderful insights. So for, for today where I think I'd like to start and, and we'll see where the conversation goes is, you know, we've we've been, as Colin mentioned, his four-year journey here. We just eclipsed the five-year mark as an agency, and we look quite a bit different than we do um, on roughly whatever it is, April, April, early April, twenty twenty-two, than we did on March twentieth of two thousand seventeen, when it was me and a laptop and Brooke like filling Papa John's codes and <laughs> we're, we're like, what are, what are we doing exactly? Why'd I quit my job? Um, and so where we sit today with, with, you know, 12 folks and payroll and uh, real, real lives and real clients and real impact here, like um, it's just going to be a fun, fun journey. So I think the, the, the jumping in point that I'd love to hear each of y'all maybe start to tackle and explore and then we can we can see where the conversation takes us is we've 
it feels like emerged into this territory. We've used lots of phrases in different ways to try to describe. It's like my mother-in-law, bless you, Christy. Um, sometimes it's like, what do you do? <laughs> what's your, what's your business? And I'm like, well, and it's like really hard to kind of talk about it at times. And so we have used this phrase lately about, Hey, we kind of, we're trying to explore the intersection of story and strategy where we believe story is the most profound and deeply meaningful and purposeful way that brands, specifically brave brands can tell those stories but if it lacks the integrity or the, 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 the wisdom, the strategy, um, then it might just be kind of cute and maybe not super effective or might be meaningful, but not, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't maybe land. So anyhow, the, the intersection of story and strategy and, and, and functionally like how we've organized and architected our, our own business, um, let's, let's just explore that. Like w- what comes to mind when, we talk about story and strategy. Rachel, we just talked about this. Um, what's fresh in my head is the listening aspect, like really double down on the listening on the the side of uh, when somebody comes to us first because all of the story and the strategy is not driven by some abstract ideas that we have. It's, it's usually just really deeply listening to the problem that we have to solve um, and figuring out, out how those two work together. Uh, it's still a work in progress now, but uh, figuring out the creative problem and then building the strategy that helps figure out the business problem, uh, that's where we've started with it. Agree. And, like, that was you stole what was going to be my answer, the, the listening and the, the empathetic side of it. I think also it, it's – literally always going to come back to the person on the other side of the screen or the other side of whatever it is that we're putting out there. And, and going back to listening, it's really uniquely understanding who that person is and, um, what their, what their pain points are, what they, what they care about. Um, I I think if we, if we're not going to listen, we're going to end up like just not telling a great story. Um, and we're not understanding who it is that, is actually on the other side of the screen. So it's like, it's the listening, the asking the great questions. And the <laughs> it goes back to just being a human, I guess, on both sides of it. It's like understanding the questions and understanding who it is that is on the other side of the screen. Hmm. I love it. Yeah, the, the I'm, I'm curious, and Colin, maybe, uh, forgive me if I interrupted your thought. Um, but I, I do think it relates to our own journey of the values work we did last, what's that, last fall? I'd say last fall all the time, like last fall. It was like last quarter. Okay, yeah, yeah, because we rolled it out in December, right? And and I think it it does start with our humans. It starts with the people on our team who we are fortunate to work alongside. And... I would love to, Colin, hear your thoughts around, like, the journey of how we started. We had values identified several years ago, and there were three of them. And then we started to explore this more exhaustive and comprehensive way. And I've talked about Bronson Code. He's part of our monthly orchard conversation. Um, But I was sitting in his office listening to him articulate his values, and I was like, 
yeah, we need those. <laughs> we we have them. It's not that we don't have them, but we haven't named them or or articulated them in, in ways that are maybe people can rally around. So um, I thought that journey was interesting, and Colin, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on how we what that process looked like. Yeah, it's been a fun process. I, th- I think it's still evolving as well, which is fun, which is also fun. Um, you know, know thyself. It's it's important to know who are we, who who do I want to be as an individual in the team and the company? Who are we as a whole? How do we go to the market? How do we uh, project ourselves? How do we how do we live into what our values are? So, for us to to think through our values and, and the exercise that I really appreciated is the four of us sitting around this table didn't take for granted that we knew the values that represented everyone in our team. We, we li- actively listened the same way that you guys were talking about for clients to our internal team, you know, asking, what do you value? What, how do you see our company? What is your vision for our team and our, and our company? And what was really neat was I think they very closely aligned to what we would have said, um, which is great to have that unity and connection. So I think getting the team involved and getting everyone to buy into what our values will be moving forward there's tremendous value in that from everyone feeling like they're lockstep um, throughout the process to people buying into a concept because they helped build it themselves. I, I just thought it was a wonderful learning experience for me, whether it's our values exercise, whether it's, you know, a brand new tactic that we ro- want to roll out, whatever it is, what a great process to get um, unity and buy-in um, to help shape those values. So I'm really proud where we landed on that. I love it. Why does an in- why does a company's internal values matter to the work we do and the clients we serve? We base pretty much everything we do, at least from a storytelling standpoint, on on who the company is because and we've been using this phrase a, a lot more in, in our meetings and um, in our ideas, but our job isn't to like build or create a story for a client really our job is just to tell the truth. And so if we can really mine out and understand like who they are and um, yeah, understand the truth and their values and what, what makes them them. And then just, you know, bring that, have, have the outside that they project match that up, then it's going to connect with the right people and and bring them business. I have a, a little bit different, approach doesn't directly answer your question but one thing that I really loved about our values is I feel like it represented the people and us outside of work Mm -hmm. really well um, of like what how we approach life and I think for from a a client side or somebody that's going to work with guild content that's the type of people that you get people that are these 10 or or so things um, and that's how they live their life and I think that's impactful what say more there the the group the the How do I say this without being offensive, potentially? Um, provo- politely provocative. <laughs> um, I think the days of like, well, check that shit at the door. Those are, maybe they're not gone everywhere, but like, man, people don't want to work at a place. Like, I don't want to work at a place like that. I have worked at a place like that. And and while it may, it may be successful, at least for a period, like I think... I don't know. I just love to hear you guys work here. You choose to keep coming back um, every day, and and I, I'd be curious, Devin, to hear your to ex- for the group to expand on your thought of these aren't just work values. <laughs> like these are human values. These are the types of um, people we 
want to be. I've got Bob Goff's undistracted book in my mind of as I listen to it on vacation or parts of it. Um, when he's talking about, hey, we don't need people to tell us what to do. We need people to remind us who we are. <laughs> and like, I think those values for us serve as like that anchor of like, are we being brave right now? Are we being authentic right now? Are we being, um, uh, are we being vulnerable and empathetic and brave? Like all the, all, all of the ways that we can even self-diagnose our own individual contributions, but also the health of the team. So I guess my meandering question is like, say more, like to talk about that. Like why do people, how, how does that, how does that manifest? I guess quite literally in our team, but also culturally, like why do people want to work at a place that cares more about just the job performance? I think a, a lot of it is the shared experience uh, that we get to come in and know that the stuff that we carry outside of the office does is allowed and does come in. Um, whether or not it's a problem or a success, like we share wins and we share losses. Um, and I think for us as a team, it drives our life outside of business, but it also unifies us because we share those values. So if somebody's going through something hard, um, we're empathetic. If somebody is faced with a problem, they're probably being gritty and the team's going to be gritty with them. Um, and it, it really is for me personally, like the guiding principles of, hey, there is a big challenge at the door, um, and I need to remind myself that it's going to take a lot of grit or, or whatever the case to get through that. I know I'm going to have the team that's empathetic. Like I think it just all feeds into each other of the team growing closer and everybody living their best lives, per se. I, I had two words in mind, and now that I'm about to say them, they're kind of synonyms, but, but congruence and harmony. I, I think like the, the congruence with like the internal values invites – self-responsibility and it invites like like work work is work is going to be hard sometimes especially you know when you're in a small business and you're trying to do things differently it's going to be hard but if you have that congruence with the with the values that your company shares then you you are invited to become more and better versions of yourself. And then when I think about like the work life piece of it I think we've used this phrase as a company before but um, it's more of like work, I view it work-life harmony. You know, there's there's going to be elements where I may, you know, I may open my computer at 9 p.m. because I choose to to do something. That doesn't mean that I don't have work-life balance, but I'm understanding that, like, I feel like this is a really great fit for my life, um, this this path that we're on. And, you know, there may be times that it's it doesn't look from the outside exactly like maybe my husband's job, but there's that harmony there. Love that. I love that. How how do we and you um, protect harmony? <laughs> and I'm coming off a eight day. Um, you guys and the rest of the team carried all of my weight, right? Like you literally carried all of my work weight, and and I needed it. I'm grateful for it. It was the first time in five years I've. Not literally not checked email, which is kind of embarrassing to admit, <laughs> um, for more than like 24 hours. And how do we protect? Because I, I say those things. I say, oh, yeah, work-life harmony. And then like, and then I'm sitting in my room at 1130, like writing something. And my wife's in bed going like, really? <laughs> like, right? I, I, and so it's not all bad. But how do, how does the 9 p.m. example 
become it's really hard. You got payroll and deadlines and people that that need stuff, both clients and internal team. Like, how do you, how do you three specifically, but also culturally, and how do we how do we protect? How do we build Devin your li- your concept of best life now? Right? Like, how do we do that? Because I think work is a real critical part of an awesome life. Um, vacation was amazing, and it was also kind of like I want to. Purdue, I want to create something. I don't, I, I love the beach, but like, I want to do something else too. Um, so again, my meandering question is how do we, how do people, how do you, how do we protect the life part of the always available culture that we're in and especially the line of work we chose? <laughs> I think there's a responsibility both on the company and the individual. So the company, you know, I hope that we do our best to support each other, support our team, to provide fair boundaries, to provide clear expectate, clear expectations, to um, to allow that the to allow a, a, a company system to be in place that um, provides structure and at the same time creativity and at the same time joy and uh, feeds into into the values that we articulated. At the same time, I think it's incumbent upon the individual to have their own limitations and and constraints because I know we've all been there, you know, answering emails at 9 p.m. when um, a loved one might be saying, hey, really, you got to do that right now? So um, it wasn't anything that the company did that maybe did that. I did that. So um, I think it's if both parties are working in harmony, to go back to that word, I think that's where there's like this beautiful symbiotic relationship where you can feel fulfilled because I'm going to be a human at work and outside of work and in, you know, in <laughs> it intertwines, go figure, you know, you can't check things at the door. You're going to be, I'd, I'd like to think I'm the same person in our proverbial virtual walls as I am outside of a nine to five work day. So um, I think not ignoring that is important, you know, just recognizing, Hey, there has to be this, this cohesion and, um, and it, it's a it's a constantly evolving work in progress, constantly. So I'm always checking myself. I'm always checking in with myself, making sure that I'm I'm on pace. I'm, I'm doing things the right way every single day. And I think the company needs to be doing the same thing for our for our entire team in order to to make sure that we never get off that track. And if we do, what do we need to do to get back on that track? Well said. What else? Also, think it starts with you, Justin, and like other leaders in the team. I think you take it you having the discipline to check out for for a week, like people watch. And if they don't see like leaders in the company taking a break, then they might not feel the freedom to do it too. Like just like, you know, leadership has to, you know, pave the way for for other things. It's like everyone in the company kind of stepping up. Obviously we view our team as leaders, but I think you specifically, like you doing that will will help other people feel the freedom to do it too. That's really interesting, Rachel. The discipline to take time off is really interesting. And I think there's almost like a fear, Justin, probably like five years, no time off is like, it's not because it's like, what's going to happen if you're gone? And I'd be willing to bet now that you'll probably take a week off in like the next year or so, like another week off. And maybe maybe starting today. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. And it's it's, 38 degrees and rainy, man. It's tough. Uh, I I think it starts with like the discipline to, to try the thing. And I think a lot of us are still fearful Maybe fearful is probably the wrong word, or maybe don't have the discipline mm. because it feels like who's going to fill the gap when there are, of course, so many wonderful people on our team that will always fill the gap. Um, yeah. yeah, 
I think at some point we have to realize we're not that precious and that other <laughs> like uh, it's going to be it's going to be fine it it is it, the you guys nailed like the the journey into my own picture into my own soul here is like it is f- deeply fearful um and like slightly egotistical to think that um well i'm really needed to like make sure that this thing keeps going right which is silly and of course like i have a a role and a contribution to the health and success of our team. Cause there, there is another part of this whole conversation, which is like, we are in, we are a for-profit business, not for exclusive profit, but like we do have to also grow and make money and invest in our people and buy um, laptops and gear and uh, you know, whatever else we, we need. So that, that's a different conversation. And, and I can justify a lot with that part. Um, but it is a deeply fearful, insecure, um, uh, we talked a lot about this with Corey and Bronson last time, but the, it's a, it's a, it's a scarcity mindset. It's the endless hustle and anxiety of like, man, it's really up to me. <laughs> and, and, and I told you guys this story before we hit record here. I opened my laptop on the plane last night. I had w- literally one client that, that, uh, in eight days I did one work thing. Um, set my out of office up, put you three on it, put Dorothy on it for accounting and legitimately for the first time, didn't do work. Um, I did other things like wrote and did some other like stuff, but didn't do guild work. And it was amazing. And opened my email on the plane. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm not going to roll in on today's Wednesday, Wednesday morning with tons of emails and slacks that I didn't just push off a day because today's full. Open up the email, 496 was the Gmail number. I was like, <laughs> literally on the plane, first time I saw it. I was like, um, okay. And so we, we flew out of Tampa. And, man, probably by, like, eastern Tennessee, I was caught up. <laughs> it was, like, less than an hour. It was like, man, I'm not, I don't, the, the, the thing was fine. It was actually better than fine. Like, you guys gave me good news on a couple things that happened. And, and the things that I was afraid of happening, possibly happening, like they didn't really happen. It was fine. Um, work went on and, and, um, you know, 200 of those emails were junk, literally junk, either like Facebook ad account got approved or (laughs) wayfair.com email list that I'm still on for some reason. Um, 50 of them probably got handled by you guys or the team or the thing just worked itself out. And, and then there were 30 or 40 that like, I needed to address and I did. And it was back to like 10 emails by the time I landed. And so uh, I think it, it, it pivots me into how do we as leaders fight that urge to be, and this is my own disease, but like be available at every ping notification distraction. (laughs) Like that's, I'm learning in real time in my own life. Like that's actually not real work. That's, that's busyness and it's frenetic pace and it may feel productive but it actually is an avoidant strategy to avoid the real work that 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 should be done that must be done um so how do we combat frantic for me it's setting my own boundaries so i'm a work in progress on this um but i i do my best to think through the day before what is the what will make me proud when my head hits the pillow that I, I accomplished what I needed to accomplish at work. So 
you know, I think through the big projects that I'm working on, big tasks that I want to have accomplished. And I do my best to not let um, the easy pings, the easy distractions that, yes, are easy checklist wins for me to knock off, um, distract me from accomplishing those. And typically the days where I do allow those to get the best of me, I don't feel like, ah, man, you know, I maybe, maybe I could have done more today. I, I'm usually not feeling great on those days. But the days where I... Not, not to neglect, but to, to focus and prioritize on, on big projects that are really going to help move the needle for others. I, I typically feel fulfilled. I typically feel great. Go figure. Um, so there's definitely a correlation there. It's easier said than done because I know there's always a temptation, especially if it's a, a deep project where you can sometimes have a hard time measuring the progress that you make. Um, for me, I have the temptation to go to the easy checklist, you know, clear out those Wayfair email things and feel accomplished. But um, having the self-discipline every day to, to check back in to do that, that's been a, a recurring exercise for me that's been beneficial. It is super discipline-based, and I lack a lot of that discipline. It's also, it feeds into itself. It ends up after some time of like, uh, if, if Justin pings me to fix something on a website uh, and I do it in five minutes, the next five times that I get pinged on the website, like they, they probably want it done pretty <laughs> fast. Um, so that, that feeds into that. And I'm a victim, Colin, I support what you said too, of like the days that the deep work doesn't exist. I end up thinking at the de- end of the day, like, did I take a bunch of time off or like, was, I, was yeah. I lazy today? Yeah. I didn't get anything done. And like, you're sitting in front of your computer all day, undistracted. It's just the wrong task. So the, the discipline is where I find like, even across the board, you're going to be in Slack doing that to do. And it's like the discipline to ignore the red blip, the one uh, next to somebody's name that's a to-do. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still building that. But I feel like a lot of those platforms are designed to pull you into that notification too. Like you go on your Gmail, it's going to be really hard not to read the, the inbox emails. You have to like, well, you did pull yourself out of the entire mail platform in order to pull away from that. Yeah, I mean, the answers feel consistent, knowing what your priorities are and being disciplined. And I think, you know, maybe this is a little bit more philosophical, but for me, it's it's removing the ego and wondering, is there someone else on the team that's better positioned to do this? I There are insanely smart, talented people on our team that um, could probably do this better than me and have better ideas or at least be a part of the process. So for me, it's for sure that prioritization and being disciplined with the little list I write in my cute notebook. And also, (laughs) um, you know, thinking outside myself and not needing to be the one that does it, but empowering someone around me just, or inviting them into it. Yeah. It's interesting. Even over the last couple of months as, as specifically the three of you and and certainly uh, many others on the team have started, we, we use this phrase all the time of moving up the value chain, right? Like as people are continuing to, add more value, take more responsibility, um, grow and flourish and do stuff that maybe instinctually we would have done. Um, it's been really, frankly, at times for me, kind of terrifying because I'm like, oh, wait, like, what do I do now? Like, now I'm not in all of the status meetings with clients or I'm not in, I'm not needed to, like, check the statement of work before it goes out or, Dorothy's following up on all the invoices and paying the credit card. Like, what do I do here? <laughs> and, and, and I think it's this um, beautiful but also haunting invitation for, I mean, Rachel, you said it well. It's like that, that ego check of like, man, 
I, I, will somebody tell me I'm really important here and let me do the work? <laughs> right. Um, and so I think it's just, it's a, uh, it is that, I think, wrestling match of, of, of our own human involvement. Uh, I don't know if that's a word. I'm still on vacation brain a Checks little bit. Out. Yeah. Okay. It works. Um, but the, the evolution of our own humanity, but specifically our leadership of like, how do we invite? How do we, how do we offer? How do we give um, pathways and journeys to others? Not so that not it's different than like shit rolls downhill mindset that that used to be this top down like, well, new guy will do that. Give them, make them fill up the coffee pot. Not it's not that. It's the opposite of that actually. It's the freedom and the invitation of, hey, what would it look like if right? And, and that's, I mean, I think we're all for a work in progress. I think our company's work in progress. Um, but, I, but it'd be interesting to hear you guys kind of respond to what are the hard parts of that journey for us? I think a lot of it is for me, the positioning, um, doing it in a way that it doesn't feel like that mm-hmm. to not, to not pawn off a task. Um, and there was a really good example this morning, actually, uh, Justin, I got an email from you on a, on a new business thing that was, hey, if you if you want to do this, feel free. I'm happy to help. And that positioning made me feel like, well, dang, I have this really great opportunity to like go do the thing that I haven't really done before. Um, and it's a little thing. It's like how you say it, but it changed it from like, hey, can you do this for me to like, hey, I'm inviting you into this cool learning opportunity. Um, so for me, that positioning is like everything. That's cool. That's well said. Where are you gonna add something? Okay. Um, I I, I want to shift. We can explore lots of this stuff. I do want to shift real quick um, before we wrap our first conversation. We have to do this more for sure. Um, I want to ask each of you to respond to specifically for the clients we serve and the work we get to do the stories we get invited into. Why does it matter? Like, I think there's this, um, and, and I'll share my thing that's in my brain. We watched a ton of March Madness games in Florida, outside. It was awesome. And all of the games were super close, and I was rooting for the upset every single time. But the, except, yeah, no, that's true. Um we watched a lot of commercials also and, and I kept my mouth shut for the most part, but my in-laws and kids, everybody started being like, who got paid to do this? How did that thing get the green light? Like, what is that? <laughs> and, and, and if, if somebody who created the Uber eats eating tape commercial is listening to this, I'm really sorry, but I'm about to offend you. Like, Uber eats has a wonderful platform and could tell an amazing story about, delivering tape to a house that doesn't involve a guy eating the tape. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering, like, why does this matter? Why does the work we're up to and the, the, the humans we get to lock arms with that also feed us, right, and keep this organization growing, um, why does the work we do for them matter? What's at stake? The first thing that comes to my head is the humanizing of like the Uber Eats thing. Like we get to take businesses that aren't necessarily viewed as human. I mean, you could think of like a manufacturer 
and get to tell how they really change the lives of folks, how for Uber Eats, it could be a piece of tape on uh, a wedding invitation or, or whatever it is. You could tell wonderful stories about how those businesses really change lives. That's mm. where I get excited about it. I like that, man. What else? Yeah, I think you said it well, Devin. I mean, what's at stake is the story that may or may not be fleshed out unless there's assistance. And what an honor for our team to be able to to just listen, to understand, to poke and prod in a kind way, to try and try again, um, to to get a story that the client's proud of. I mean, there's very few things that I think give us all collective pleasure, like an email from a client or a call from a client, just, man, like that, you nailed it, you got it, you listened, you understood. Um, that is really cool because they don't see that at the very beginning. We might see the vision for that, but we have to collectively work together to get to that end product. So, um, and the byproduct of that is that their customers, their clients, their patients, whatever industry they're in, their lives are better because of that. So you think of the compounding effect of lives getting better by what's produced. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I love it. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, there's something really profound about being able to sit across from business owners and, and hear what they've done in the past several years and being able to hear that and translate it into something that is going to resonate with the people that will also care. Um, and then there's also, I just have this picture in my mind, maybe it's a bad one, of like swimming upstream sometimes. I think there's so much, like, there's so much bad messaging out there. And um, we get to tell the truth about our client stories and be able to, like, if we do it right, when we do it right, be be a bit of a light and be able to maybe solve problems, not just for the client, but for the people that need to hear the story too. And it's, it's hard not to sometimes, you know, there's, we, there's a lot of dialing it in. And I think doing the work, you know, the, the hard way is listening, telling the truth and putting it in front of the people that will care um, and doing it in a way that is, has integrity. Um, so I, I think that there's, when you ask a question like, why does it matter? I think, you know, even if there's a chance of being like a little bit of a light in the middle of some darkness, would that's why it would matter to me. That's awesome. It's really awesome to hear the three of you answer that question. Um, we're going to do this again, for sure. Um, but before we do, just like we do at every episode of Guild Stories, we get to hear the same five questions to each of you. So we're going to, it'll take a minute. So let's go around the horn. Um, so Devin, we'll start with you. Number one, last book you read or listened to, or, or a favorite one. doesn't have to be the last one. The last one that I read was called Never Split the Difference. Um, it was a book that was based on a recommendation. It was about negotiating. Um, and it was really funny because my significant other, Hannah, would ask me if I was ready to, to negotiate, like, during portions of the book. And it was never really about that. Um, it ended up being, like, an embrace kind of conflict or how to really tackle conflict in an empathetic way. Um, so just great read. Would recommend. Love it. Awesome. Rachel. Uh, last book I read was Dream Big, and I'm now in the middle of uh, Undistracted by Bob Goff. He's so cool. He's really cool. I'd love to meet him. Um, he gives his number in the book. I'm literally going to text him at some point. I'm just determining what to say. Um, Colin. 
I'm an audiobook kind of guy, so I'm on, I'm on the listening train. Um, I'm three quarters of the way through Donald Miller's most recent book, Hero on a Mission, and I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Um, a synopsis is that um, there's four characters in every story, including each, each of our own individual stories. So there's the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide. So he uses his own experiences to help you as the reader recognize if the character you are currently servicing is helping uh, helping you experience a life of meaning. So the intent is to give you the knowledge and tools to control, um, uh, to take control um, of your life um, by choosing the hero in your story. So obviously easier said than done, but what a fascinating read. And so I think really intertwines well with what we've been talking about today. Yeah, it, it popped up on the recommended because I'm listening to Undistracted by Bob Goff. And I was like, damn, that's really yeah. profound. Like those four roles are really profound. Um Awesome. Devin, favorite t-shirt? I have this. Uh, you guys know Supreme, the brand Supreme? I mean, you've helped me be, like, yeah. younger and more more hip. A couple years ago, I bought this Supreme t-shirt. It was a white t-shirt, and it had a, a dachshund on it, a wiener dog. Um, and I own one of those dogs now, and Supreme is my favorite brand. So, Supreme t-shirt with a dachshund on it. That's amazing. That's amazing. I didn't see that coming, but I love it. Rachel? I mean, I feel like this is, like... Whatever. My favorite T-shirt is the Kill Content T-shirt, like the the dark gray one with the GC icon. I get so many compliments on it. It's really soft and fits just right. Love it. Well said. <laughs> CP? Mine's a shirt that says Buffalo versus everybody. Oh. Um, I'm really proud of my roots, and it's a shirt that's a great <laughs> reminder for me, um, you know, that it doesn't matter what the outside world thinks. And it, what's been really neat is that uh, those shirts have been made into hoodies, and you'll see Buffalo Bills players wearing them. So it's become this galvanizing messaging around the city of Buffalo that it's it's Buffalo versus everybody. You know, we don't care what others think. We know what we have. We know what we are. And we're comfortable with that. So I just love the messaging. Somewhere Tupac is smiling. Me against the world, baby. Josh Allen's repping the Buffalo versus That's everybody. Right. Love it. Um, Devin, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? I would invest more in myself. Uh, like I would probably literally take all day. And just learn things and do stuff. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I love it. You are a, you are a, you are, we call you the professor for a reason. Like you are a, um, a wise soul and do a lot of self-learning, which is really cool. It's really cool to watch. Uh, Rachel, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? I would write a book. About? I don't know what it would be about, but I think I heard a quote one time that was, like some of the best writing, the best books require the writer to be extremely vulnerable. And so I think that's like the, not to go super deep, but I think that's, that's the fear is like sitting down and just doing the work and kind of peeling back layers to write a story. But in my brain, it's a fiction novel. Love it. You should start one. 500 words a day. It'll be done by Christmas. <laughs> uh, Colin. Yeah, I'd love to pre-order that. Uh, <laughs> Mine's similar to Rachel. I'd, I'd write words publicly. So mm. um, I actually purchased, funny story, a Word, WordPress subscription three years ago. I've renewed it every year. Haven't, haven't hit play on it. Um, but yeah, that, that fear of the public scrutiny is what prevents me from, from going live, hitting live. So um, having my words go public, that would, that would mm. be what I'd do if I wasn't afraid. Publish is a terrifying button. And like, it's a, it's a liberating one too. So I love that. Um, vacation brain. What's the fourth question? Favorite place on earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Devin, favorite place on earth. This is going to sound uh, 
whatever, some type of way. But it's really my office. I love being in my office. I play video games there. I eat my food there. I do great work there. Uh, and I got the, it's home office, so dogs and cats are there. It's a great thing. That's awesome. The next conversation, we are for sure exploring the work from home. Like, what, what's it, what is a, what is work from home, work from wherever? How, do, how does, how does a culture and specifically an agency thrive in a, in a spot where we're not all like huddled around a conference room or a, a row of cubicles together? Um, Rachel. Uh, four years ago, we were getting ready to go to the mountains to Estes Park. And I, you know, typical Enneagram mate was like, I don't know why we're going there. I always like going to the beach. Why do we have to go to the mountains? What are we going to do? Just sit and look at them. And, and my kind husband was like, trust me, just trust me. And so we drove across the wonderful, adventurous Kansas and ended up in Estes Park and drove through the Rocky Mountains. And I was blown away mm. and found this little valley in Estes Park in the Rocky Mountains that we had a picnic in and you could see mountains like 360 degrees around you that's that's my favorite place just one because um I had to be humble enough to like it uh, in the first place and it it blew me away and obviously the view was amazing yes preach love Colorado CP you know as I thought about this it it's really not a physical location for me. It's my honest answer is wherever the people I love are. Um, and sometimes that manifests itself around my wife's grandmother's kitchen table, eating way too much pasta because it's never ending. <laughs> Al dente, right? Al dente, that's right. I said it totally wrong. <laughs> you're forgiven. You're not Italian. Um, other times that's sipping wine by the fire with friends. So uh, wherever the people I love are, that's where I want to be. That's, that's my favorite place. Mm, I love that. Um, all awesome answers. Okay. When it's all said and done, the heavier one, what do you each want to be remembered for professor? I want to have fun. Uh, I think the work that we do is really fun. Uh, I, I like to have fun. I think we all do. So like 24 seven all day. Uh, if we can just have fun, like have a good time, that'd be, that'd be great. That's awesome. I love that answer. answer. Uh, two things, someone who tried to never miss a sunset, and um, this is going to sound, it, it is what it is. I, I just want to be remembered for someone who knew what mattered and poured herself out for it. Mm, those are awesome answers. I love that. Colin? For me, in the acknowledgments of Good to Great, which is another fantastic book that our uh, listeners should, should uh, take a read, um, the author Jim Collins has this incredible line in the acknowledgments uh, that may or may not have made its way into my wedding vows. Success in the end for me is that my spouse likes and respects me ever more as the years go by, and I hope by that measure to be as successful as she is. I just love that line. It was mm. so deep and just hit me so hard and just encapsulated every, everything that I was thinking. So check back in with me in 40 years. I hope I'm still <laughs> pacing well, um, but that's what I'm aspiring for. And I think it'll be neat, you know, as I go on my journey in life to have kids and grandkids and great grandkids, you know, I'm sure they're going to make that list as well. Just uh, as the years go by to be liked and respected ever more by that, by that close knit circle. I mean, what a wonderful life. Yeah. Thanks Jim Mosier. What a wonderful life indeed. Um, Colin, you actually teed it up. I didn't, I wasn't thinking of this exactly, but your 40 year comment is like, man, the old, the old gray hair in me coming out of like, that's what I'm in this thing for. I'm in for, what do the decades look like? The days get super damn stressful and we can work through like discipline and priorities and all the notifications, all the like practical stuff. 
to focus on the, the, the important, not just the urgent. Um, but, but whoever is listening to this, it's very obvious. I know you're feeling like, man, these three are, are friggin' rock stars. Like this is a, this was a group that, um, shines brightly, cares deeply, um, in, in the truest sense of the word, like loves the work, loves the people. And I'm reminded by the last time, maybe it was a couple times ago, the three of you presented to our fearless and wonderful board of advisors. Um, and Corey Shear slid over a, he stole it from this desk. He slid over a yellow post-it note and slid it right in front of me as you three were talking. And he wrote, they are a rock star leadership team, period, underline. And it's like, hell yeah, they are. <laughs> like, they are. And that's a, a wonderful thing to, um, to, yeah, I'm just grateful. Grateful for y'all. Grateful that you agreed to this uh, first and hopefully one of many conversations about whatever we do here at Guild Content. <laughs> Any closing words? How are y'all feeling? How was it? Good. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, had a great time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Um, any final tips or takeaways? That's basically my like. I don't want to hit. I don't want to stop the conversation moment because <laughs> we have like meetings and stuff to go to. Yeah, mine would be the challenge to the listeners would be whenever you're listening to this. Um, I'm assuming you you have a, a fresh day starting tomorrow. So, you know, think about that deep work that you want to work on tomorrow. Don't get, don't get distracted. Don't let the emails, slacks, text messages. They're all important, but not as important. So um, my challenge to the listeners is uh, deep work for tomorrow and maybe the next day. Love it. I just wanted, this is a guild content thing that I just wanted to hit on before we got off is the human first part is like, that's what we really live into Mm. from having fun to like doing great client work and telling empathetic stories. Like we embrace that we're all humans and want the same things at the end of the day. And that, that manifests itself like in everything that we do. Boom. Love it. Rachel. Everyone has something like super great to create inside of them, whether or not they have like the title, like creative or whatever, or producer or whatever next to their name. And so similar to Colin's point, like what can you do tomorrow to be less distracted and create something great? Mic drop. Good work, guys. We'll do it again. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.